0: Uh, My name is Matt Moberg. For those of you who we have yet to meet, I'll be your host for this portion of the program. So glad that you are here, by the way. If you are new and this is your first time through, I hope it's been an enjoyable experience this far. I hope people are treating you right. Please don't be overwhelmed by how mature we may seem, how put together this whole thing is. This isn't our first rodeo. This is actually officially year two now. And so we've been down this block a time or two. We know what we're doing now, okay? This is our new series. We are starting off a new season. We figured we'd start off with a new series. And the why behind the what is something that we've kind of hinted at, talked about as we've been going along the summer. The idea is that if we are actually going to be an edifying community, both in how we express our lives and in how we embody it, if we are going to be a force for healing in the city, then we need to be people who are being formed into healthy persons. We need to be healthy. We need to be rooted and established in stability. We need to know who we are and where we're going. And so over the course of the next eight weeks, we want to name eight core practices, eight hallmarks of healthy people, and we want to pursue these things together. The first one that I want to explore with you all tonight is an important one because it's going to set up how we explore the seven that come afterwards. To do so, I'm going to hand the mic over to our hometown hero, Robert Zimmerman. Patty, please play the clip.
1: I'm looking for a place that will collect, clip, bath, and return my dog, KN17727. Cigarettes and tobacco, animals and birds bought or sold on commission. I want a dog that's going to collect and clean my bath, return my cigarette, and and give tobacco to my animals and give my birds a, a commission. I'm looking for somebody to sell my dog, collect my clip, buy my animal, and straighten out my bird. I'm looking for a place to bathe my bird, buy my dog, collect my clip, sell me cigarettes, and commission my bath. I'm looking for a place that's going to collect my commission, sell my dog, burn my bird, and sell me to the cigarette. I'm going to bird my buy, collect my will, and bathe my commission. I'm looking for a place that's going to animal my soul, knit my return, bathe my foot, and collect my dog commissioned me to sell my animal to the bird to clip and buy my bath and return me back to the cigarette.
0: So, obviously, the first hallmark of a healthy person we want to talk about tonight is that healthy people do not do drugs. They pass on the grass. Bob Dylan clearly was known for stirring the pot, but I don't think that's the only thing he did with it. What is happening here? What is this, this pastoral malpractice that I'm inflicting upon you here? <laughs> Robert Zimmerman, Bob Dylan, he walks up to a sign that's in front of a store, and the sign says, We will collect, clip, bathe your dog, and return it to. And we'll also sell you cigarettes. And upon, the, upon reading it one time through, we have an understanding on what the store does behind the sign. It makes sense. We get why it's here. The functionality has been clarified. We know what's going on. But then it gets weird. Second time through, it gets weirder. Third time through, it gets weirder. Bob Dylan walks up to the sign and he starts to move the words around. And when the message gets moved, the meaning goes missing. And We no longer know what the story behind the sign actually is. In fact, when the store looks at the sign to identify why it's here, what its purpose is for, what its functional value actually is, the sign has nothing to say anymore. Bob Dylan has moved too many words around where the store can no longer know its story from looking at the sign. The store does not know its story. And I'm telling you all this because I want to know if you know yours. For me, when I watched this clip a couple weeks ago, I was reminded of how absurd and crazy this, this clip is, but I also reminded about how familiar it is, how there's something in it that hits close to home. Because like a store that would collect clip Bathe and return your dog. We also once used to have full convictions and clear eyes when it came to who we are and why we are here. We also used to look at the future not with fear, but in freedom because it was full and pregnant with possibilities. But then life walked up to us and started moving the words around, and the meaning went missing. There was a time when you and I were not afraid. There was a time when we were confident. There was a time where we knew that God was the lover and that you and I, we were the loved. We were rooted and we were established. Anything was possible. But then we turned two. And our neighbor took our toy away and we had to learn that we can't just give our trust away. And then we turned five. We walked our dog into that vet's office, not knowing that we wouldn't be able to walk the dog out. And then we turned nine, and we realized that our bodies don't look like the other bodies at school, and all the other bodies at school keep telling us that. And then we turned 10, and we stole our first bike. And then we turned 13, and that girl stole our heart. And then we turned 14, and our grandparents passed away. Turned 15, and we couldn't wait to get away. Turned 16, and we thought we found freedom. Turned 17, we couldn't wait to find freedom. And then we turn 18, and after all of the turning and the twisting that has gone on behind us, we find ourselves sitting at the kitchen counter looking at a college application that's asking us the question, who are you? And it's been so long since you've seen that sign that you don't know what to say. You turn around, you look for the words, but all you can see are the wounds. You turn around, you try to find the sign, but all you can see are the scars. And you don't know who you are. And you don't know why you are. And you don't know who you're supposed to be. The words have all moved, the meaning has gone missing. And what we do, what I do, in the absence of being able to articulate what my meaning is, I'll start carving out what is the path of least resistance. If I can't have my meaning, I don't at least, I don't, I don't want to mess. I want to at least find the road in which I can sidestep all of the pain that I've picked up in the past. And so I say yes to that road, and I trade in my passion, and I take on practicality instead. I say yes to that road, and I give away my, my, my significance in this story, because all I want now is safety. And the tragic thing is, the tragic thing is not only are people who are fearfully and wonderfully made, now making lives out of fear that are completely absent of wonder. But the real tragedy is that it actually seems to work. We do the dance, we play the part, we pretend, we put on the mask, step into the performance, and to our surprise, unlike in the past when we actually stepped out in our truth, this time we find the applause, the acceptance, the affirmation, The enrollment is offered, the job is gifted, the friends are made, the toasts are lifted, people are saying your name, people know who you are, and yet that doesn't help because you still don't. It has been 10 years, 15 years, 20 years since you sat in front of that college application and you still do not have an answer for that question. Do you know who you are? Do you know why you are? Do you know who you are? be easy if we didn't need to know. But despite all the questions we have about our purpose, despite all the questions we have about our sense of origins, the one thing that we are sure of, even if we cannot explain to you why, is that we were made for meaning. And so we can't stand living inside of mediocrity. We were made for more. We feel it. It's in our passions and it's in our fears. It's the reason why... The, most, the thing that keeps us up at night, our greatest fear is not the question of whether or not there's life after death, but the question of not whether or not we'll ever live before we die. Whether we'll actually step into that place of purpose and passion and meaning. And we start thinking about the past that's hijacked the present, that's kept us from being in the freedom of the future. We start thinking about how do we go back to that place, how do we step into that beginning... And I think we throw in the towel prematurely, because where my mind goes, at least, forgive me if I'm projecting on all of you tonight, but if I'm going to find my beginning, I have to go backwards, and as far as I can tell, I can't. I can't take back what happened. I can't remove the pain that stained my story. It's there. It happened. Yet I keep on thinking that I have to go back in order to get to my beginning. I think this is one of the reasons why when we're doing these family moments with baby Charlie tonight and Dr. Phil and Dr. Dre, some of our eyes get wet. Some of you don't even know who this family is and you are crying because you see a baby and you think of a beginning. When I asked you to stand and commit to being in their corner, to being for them and with them, You could feel how much you meant it when you said yes. Your chest was shaking, yes. Because you don't want her to be hurt like you were hurt. You want her to run and not limp. You want her to be full of freedom and not fear. You want her to be fierce and not fragile. You see a baby and it makes you long for a beginning. And the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to go back to get to your beginning. You can begin again right here. Your story is not stuck. It still is moving. Do you have eyes to see it? There's a text in the end of Luke that tells the story when Jesus is dark as day. And it clarifies something that we often get confused about. In one of the darkest moments that the earth has ever seen, where the son of love is being lynched on this hill far away, Luke writes about how Jesus is pinned up in between two different men, both who are giving up the ghost alongside of Jesus. And one of the men starts talking, starts running his mouth. He's heard a thing or two about Jesus, and he wants to know why what he has heard is not what he is seeing. Jesus, if you are packing as much heat as everybody seems to believe that you are, if you are as powerful, as the rumors say, then take yourself down, and while you're at it, take us down too. Get us out of this place of pain. Make it stop. Fix this present problem. This man on the left starts screaming at the man in the middle. But Jesus doesn't say a word. The other crook, however, does. The other man on the other side starts speaking. And he hears what the man has said, and he turns to him and he says, Don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence? Since we we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Did you hear what he just said? He has accepted the way the story has played out. He's accepted the way that the words have been written. He tells the first crook that what's done is done. We did what we did and we are where we are and there's no going back. We are where we are. It is what it is. This is ugly. This isn't how I dreamed up it would go. This isn't how the idea was going to lace. We are in a bad place and my body is breaking. We don't have much time. But if my story has not stopped, then I will not stop. If my story has not stopped, then I will not stop. No, I can't take out the pain of the past. No, we can't remove what happened. Can't take away what happened when we were kids. Can't take away what happened when we were growing up. Can't take away what the doctor said over the phone. I can't take away the wife who left you. I can't take it away. But just because you had pain doesn't mean your life has to go on pause. Your story does not have to stop because we're still here. We're still standing. Some of you, I know you, I know your stories. There is power in you recognizing that you are still here, that you're still standing. That in spite of everything that life has thrown your way, every reason for you to check out and throw in the towel, you're still standing, you're still showing up. You haven't given up. You might not be where you are, but you're still here. The crook says we're still here. He said, it's been a hard journey that has led us here, but if I'm still here, then my story has not stopped. And so even though there are nails in my body, and there's only a few breaths left in my lungs, I will still hold on to hope that in spite of all the hardships that came, the best is still yet to come. And he turns to Jesus in the middle, and he says, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today, in this moment, you're going to be with me in paradise. I read this text this morning, and I wept. I was planning all week on speaking about a different text, but I read this text this morning, and I wept. And part of it's because I see what Jesus said. We can all read the words that he offered up. But as I read it this morning, I heard the tone that he took with it. And as he spoke back to this man who was reaching out for hope in spite of having every reason not to anymore, why make yourself vulnerable by hoping that there's a way forward when clearly your days are done? When I heard him ask the man in the middle, Jesus, will you remember me? I could hear Jesus' response with both sadness and celebration. Celebration because the man is seeing Jesus as a place of hope. Celebration because the man is turning and saying, I have a need, and you seem to have a way. But there's also a sadness. Because when Jesus sees the man look at him, he can see in the man that the man wonders if Jesus will ever look back. The man says to Jesus, the one in the middle, Jesus, Jesus, Will you think about me when you go into your kingdom? And Jesus turns to him and says, I haven't stopped thinking about you since you came into creation. Contrary to what everyone around you on the floor might say, contrary to what all the critics in the stands might tell you, you are not an accident. You didn't sneak into the world. You were spoken into the world. You are a word, and I am the writer. It's messy. The story has been hard but the story isn't over. You are a word, and I am a writer, and I have been writing your story from the first day, and I have no intention of stopping now. I was with you when you were young. I was with you when you were hiding on your bed because your parents were screaming in the kitchen. I was with you when you sat alone at the lunch table, and you wondered why did God make me this way? I was with you in the pain. I was with you in the hardships. I never left you, I've always been for you, I was with you when you were wounded and when you did the wounding, when you hurt your best friend, I was with you, when you thought that hurt was going to only be your friend, I was with you, never left you, never forsaken you and I will not do so now. To the first one who says, this story needs to stop, Jesus has nothing to say in response. The first one who says, can you take me out of the pain, Jesus has nothing to say in response. To the second one who says, can you take me through the pain, Jesus says, let's go. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hardships, in the midst where it seems like there's no way goodness is on the other side of this moment. Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise and all will be well. The first hallmark of a healthy person is recognizing that it was never about having a perfect sign put together. It was never about stringing the perfect words to define your life. It was always about participating in the life that the writer is writing. Is recognizing that you are clay in the potter's hands, and if you are still here, you are still moving. The story hasn't stopped. The first hallmark of a healthy person, the thing that we are committing ourselves to as a community is we will not be a people who are afraid of the future. We anticipate that the best is still to come. Even if everything around us, to the side of us, in front of us, says it's over, even if the darkness starts to seep in, We are people who will continue to light the candle and say that light is on the way. Because the writer still has his pen in his hands. And the story isn't over. Will you pray with me? Christ, healthy people are hopeful people. And God, we know that you framed up the universe with favor and not fear. And so give us the courage to do the same, Lord. Give us the courage to remember that we have been remembered. That we are not forgotten. That if we're still here, you're still writing. This story might be ugly, but it's not over. God, you are good. Give us the courage to be faithful, not fearful. In Christ's name, all God's children, we say together, amen.
2: Every Sunday night when we meet, one of the, our practices is sharing in communion. And every Sunday night we talk about this time to pause and remember. Remember a God who loves us. A God full of grace and hope. But the real truth, it's not in us remembering. It's what Matt talked about. Our hope is in that Jesus remembers us. And so no matter where we are in our stories, no matter the joys we hold or the fears or uncertainty or the losses that we're carrying, our hope is in that Jesus remembers. He remembers us and he stands with us no matter where we are. And so we invite you during the music to come up and there'll be people here in the front with gluten-free elements and people here as well. And you're welcome to take the bread and dip it into the cup. And remember that you're remembered. The night before Jesus died, he sat with his friends at a table and he broke bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this and remember me. And he took the cup and he poured wine into the cup. And he said, this is my blood shed for you new covenant and when you drink from this cup remember me so tonight when we take the bread and dip it into the cup yes we'll remember Jesus but we'll remember that Jesus remembers us so please stand as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory.